0: a brand new episode of People Are Wild. I'm your host, Kim, ER travel nurse by day, and also ER travel nurse by night. No, seriously, I just keep flipping back and forth between days and nights. I don't even know what day today is, but I do know that it's that time of year again, well, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, in that it's fall, or sometimes people call it autumn. Although I've always called it fall. I feel like if I call it autumn, that means I grew up in a place that had seasons, which I did not. So fall for me growing up was when it got less hot. I grew up in the Southwest. It was not unusual to be trick or treating as a kid, and it was still around 90 degrees Fahrenheit outside. And FYI, Lots of face paint will melt at 90 degrees Fahrenheit outside. You look like a damn melted, busted up Popsicle of a Ninja Turtle morphed into like a Powerpuff Girl. You know like those popsicles you used to get that had like the faces sort of off? That's what you look like. Anyways, the struggle was real, but it had some of my best memories of childhood there. Looking like a melted popsicle apparently. But now that I've been traveling for the past few years, in fact, on that note, you might hear a little bit of weirdness in terms of my setup. I've had to relocate and move and set up in a different place. So I'm still working out some things. So please, I just ask for you to bear with me. I'm trying to make it work. I'm doing my best, dang it. Probably for this episode and maybe a couple of the other ones. It might just be a little bit off with the, with the sound. I'm going to do my best to, to tweak it and edit all of that. But just, just as a disclaimer, if you hear a bit of an echo, it's not you, it's me. the truth it is it's me it's all about me going back to what i said before with traveling and actually having seasons and understanding that things actually do follow a path and there's some cool and beautiful things that occur when seasons change i now understand the term leaf peeping and how that means that the beginning of fall has started for some regions specifically more of the northeast and actually now that I'm in the Pacific Northwest, there's some beautiful turning of the colors on the leaves as well Now here that I've been privy to. In Colorado, in Telluride, there's an amazing amount of leaves that change colors. There's this great video, I think somebody did recently, of drone footage in Utah that shows it. Anyways, when you grow up in the desert southwest, there's not really leaf peeping. There's a lot of cacti around and those don't really change colors, they just have pricklies on them and then it, it's a whole thing but it, with leaf peeping that's pretty sweet it's pretty awesome um and and i know that that is an indication that fall has started in a lot of places but for some of us out there fall starts when pumpkin spice everything is everywhere you see pumpkin spice lattes and scented candles that have it Perfumes, even. I know that there's Oreo flavors. I know there's pumpkin spice gum. Uh, I think there's Twinkies. There's definitely pumpkin spice booze out there. I think I saw pumpkin spiced eggnog last year, and that I thought was taking it too far. But then I saw something from the Durex company, the people who make those condoms. I don't know if it was a myth. I think Snope said it was, but maybe this year is the year that Durex decides to make pumpkin spiced condoms. I don't know. I don't want to know follow-up on that, I kind of want follow-up on that. We can only hope, question mark. Another sign that fall has started in a lot of places that I've noticed around here is when spirit Halloween stores start infiltrating your local rundown strip mall. Right near me actually, the local sports authority is now a spirit Halloween store for a month, so it kind of was like, what, no, sports authority, they don't exist anymore, and then you go around the outside and you're like, oh, the spirit Halloween store, everything makes sense. So, wherever your local Toys R Us store was, I have a sneaking suspicion it's a Spirit Halloween store. Just trust me on that. Or if it was a Circuit City at some point, it's now a Spirit Halloween store. But I can go into defunct stores that are now Spirit Halloween stores for probably eons, and that's not why you tuned into this episode. I just wanted to maybe do something a little bit different to celebrate the season, and also maybe step on a soapbox for just a second. because. The thing about Halloween and this time of year is that you see a lot of offerings of sexy professions out there and I just, I don't know. You know, they talk about the sexy nurse outfits. If you go and search for those, make sure that you're not at work because some of them are really, really risque. There's this great video where they have actual nurses trying to put them on over clothes because some of them are quite revealing if you just have the actual costume part and the nurses are all just like this is not practical these stethoscopes don't even work so it's kind of a funny video but at the same time there's like sexy librarians there's sexy this and that i swear to you i think i saw a sexy fire hydrant costume i know it exists i know i saw it i know it wasn't a dream it's just it it's weird. It's And when you're actually in that profession, like these sexy cops, sexy firefighters, but when you're actually in that profession and you do it, you just can't help but be skeeved out by these costumes. I mean, really, I did work with a few nurses, and I know that some of them like to wear the sexy nurse outfits. It's just weird, I think, to be working in that profession and then seeing a sexy costume of it. Um, uh but I always tell people that, you know, I'm always looking super fly at work anyway. So, why do I need to wear an outfit when that's just who I am whenever I'm on my profession? It's a horrible joke. I'm sorry. I like to shower myself with compliments and and accolades and really my self-esteem is through the roof, but I smell terrible. Just Kind of, with the shower? No, not really landing, okay. At the end of the day, fall is Halloween time to me, to a lot of people in America. I know internationally Halloween isn't really a big deal as it is probably in the U.S. And for me, that means, though, that it's not necessarily the costumes that I'm into or the parties. I get really excited over the fact that There's a month devoted to horror movies, and that is my ish. Like, I love watching horror movies. I love them so much, and I have such an affinity for them that I have this interesting habit of watching horror movies to fall asleep to. So I know some people put on sitcoms or things that they've seen a million times, movie-wise, comedies, whatever. I like to fall asleep to horror movies. To me, it's strangely soothing to fall asleep to other people screaming. I don't know why. Please don't read too much into that. Let's just move right along. At some point in the past, in some episode, I mentioned that in a perfect world, I would have started this whole endeavor of a podcast last October in order to tell medical myths and and do some of that sort of diving into those topics. And it would have been great because it would have been during October and it would have been topical. So now that it is officially October and it's spooky season and I'm at a bit of a loss for what to do for October. Because you see, I've already done some initial medical myths episodes. In fact, I think I did two of them more in those earlier episodes I did. And it would seem to me to be a little bit repetitive to do more of those myths so soon. So I thought maybe it would be the best to share with you some tales from the hospital of a haunting variety. It'd be more topical perhaps for this time of year. But I've actually gathered these from a few different places, some personal anecdotes told to me, um, some things submitted to me, and some things that I was able to find in different forums throughout the World Wide Web. Trust me, there is a huge forum over a few different pages, a few different websites, where nurses, doctors, and all their healthcare professionals have shared their particularly bone-chilling and haunting hospital horror stories. So let's do this right, and let's do this properly, because I have lit my Elvira prayer candle, which smells spooky and scary, and I've listened to the Monster Mash on a loop repeat for about an hour, so I am ready if you are ready to talk about how people are wild. Now the following stories were collected from various nursing forums and personal anecdotes that were sent or told to me throughout the months and or years that I've held on to for whatever reason. (laughs) I'll make sure in the show notes to put some links to some of these forums because there are thousands, not hundreds, thousands of tales between different websites that healthcare providers have shared in terms of the things that they have seen. Now, please keep in mind that these stories can involve some graphic details or descriptions. So pretty much these are taken verbatim from the people who shared these stories, and they will remain anonymous as well in terms of who did that. So let's get to it. Um, let's start off with a few tales from the hospital, I guess. Just so you know, the way that I'll break it up in terms of between stories is with with a little bit of a bump of sorts, I guess. You'll know it when you hear it, that it's the end of one story and the next story is about to begin so that you don't get too much of confusion in terms of stories kind of crossing over or at least being separated if that makes sense okay just stick with it we're going for it let's get to it and remember listen at your own discretion i used to work in a skilled nursing facility i was usually assigned to the alzheimer's ward now one night i'm in the linen room stocking my car getting everything together and I hear someone shuffle up behind me, and then I felt a hand on my shoulder. Instinctively, I turned around, but there was no one else in the room, and I noticed that the door was still shut, too. Now, that night, a lady had started to complain that a man was coming into her room at night. And Remember, this is an Alzheimer's unit, so when you're working on there and you have a patient that says that they swear that they've seen things, Sometimes you don't really think too much of it or delve too deep into it. But I decided that I wanted to reassure her. And I told her I would check on her throughout the night. She complained of this man visiting her every night for more than two weeks when I asked her to describe him to me. She said, he's real handsome and he wears a black suit. Oh, he's actually right behind you now, honey. And that freaked me out. Like, seriously freaked me out. And I turned around, and of course, there was no one behind me. So I tried to shake it off, but it's just the feeling, it lingered. She actually died the next night in her sleep. And I'll never forget that uneasy feeling I had about the man that was right behind me. I've worked as a nurse in a cancer center for many years, not claiming this was paranormal, but it was creepy as hell. A patient was rapidly dying of end-stage pancreatic cancer. The patient was too weak to get out of bed for many days. During one night shift, we heard screaming coming from that room, so we all rushed in. The patient was crouched in a corner, pointing at the window, yelling, They're here! Stop them! They're here! We saw nothing. Nothing was there. We got the patient back to the bed, and we had to use a hoist to assist us because this patient was just so weak, unable to even stand. Even getting them back to bed, the terror persisted. Every single night, we would hear this patient saying that they're here, stop them. Throughout the night, the patient became restless and anxious. A nurse stayed with them all night, and we never could figure out how the hell they got out of the bed. But sometime during the night, The patient was super, super agitated, suddenly became terrified more so, and shortly thereafter passed away. Passed away seeing something that none of us could never see. I used to work in a state institution for developmentally disabled patients. We had to temporarily relocate to another building while they were remodeling our building. One night, I was at work, second shift, and for safety, we all had locked units. Curiously enough, I saw one of the residents walking down the hall. They had a very distinct gait and a very distinct yellow t shirt with a happy face on it. I went into the floor to let the staff know that they had an escapee from their floor. Now, this was a serious situation because this particular resident, Larry, would ingest absolutely anything. From clothing, to pens, to belts, to even a bird's head. No, seriously. Literally anything, he would eat it. He was also very reluctant to go back to his home floor, which is why I didn't bring him back myself. He always needed the help of two escorts to get him back to the room. When we got back into the hall, less than 15 seconds later, I would say, Larry was gone. So initially, and of course, we panicked, We searched the entire building, outside, downstairs, all the floors, stairwells, everywhere we could think of, and Larry was nowhere to be found. Now, this whole search lasted less than 10 minutes because I had all hands on deck looking for him. And I was just about to call the house supervisor to let her know that we had, well, lost someone, when out from the bathroom walks Larry with one of the staff. He had been getting his bath in the bathroom for the last 30 minutes or so which was weird, in fact, it was kind of freaky, because I absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, know that I saw Larry in the hallway. I would have never short-staffed the floors like I did if I didn't see him there, and then not see him. Like I said, very distinct gait, very distinct look, very distinct clothing. Needless to say, I took a whole hell of a lot of razzing that night. They all thought that I had gone a little bit crazy, Anyways, I come to find out the next day after the story had gone around the unit and everyone had called me crazy and that I was seeing things, it went on and on and on with the teasing from my colleagues, but I found out that next day that Larry had an identical twin brother who died in that building on that day 10 years ago. Maybe I did see something, but it might not have been Larry. A friend of mine who is also a nurse used to work in hospice, and she told me about a patient that she cared for that was a very mean individual who was hateful to her own family, as well as the nursing staff taking care of her. As this woman was dying, she became very afraid and started yelling that she was burning. And she screamed and yelled and wailed about burning right up, all the way up until the point that she died. I used to work in an old hospital built in the 1930s. I worked on a med surge unit. In room seven, the beds used to raise up and down by themselves. We would always call maintenance, who checked the beds out, and always told us that they were fine. While the beds were in the hall, they didn't move. But once they were back in room seven, they would always start moving again. Now at some point, our old facility closed down and we moved into a new hospital. Now, there was a rumor going around that the land was once a cemetery. And the night before we moved into the new hospital, the fire alarms went off, and it was discovered that the burners were turned on in the kitchen. But the weird part was no one had been in the kitchen that day. The first week of staying at this new hospital, one patient said her window kept swinging open. The handle to open the window is difficult to turn, and this patient was unable to get out of bed. So it was always a mystery... As to how that window kept swinging open. Curiously enough, there's also a pet cemetery nearby, and several patients would report seeing cats and dogs in their rooms. Even my grandfather stayed there for a week, and he kept saying there was a big yellow cat in the corner. Okay, so this is a creepy as hell story that I just have to share with you. And it's one of the reasons that I actually ended up getting out of the hospital and started working in case management in an office setting. So I worked many years on a telemetry unit and I always worked nights. Now being a night shift worker, I was constantly overtired. I never really felt quite fully rested, but I also had a routine. So while waiting for my husband to get home, see he worked second shift and I worked nights. And so we would have to coordinate sometimes with getting the car so that one of us could go one way or the other. So one night I was at home and I was waiting for him and I was trying to doze on the couch. The kids were already in bed. And I was half in and out of consciousness when all of a sudden I felt the presence. And even though my eyes were closed tight, I just felt the room turn red behind my eyelids. And I started to hear whispers of a thousand souls in the room. I know, I know, just, yeah, no, I know, just go with it. The air was oppressive, and I tried to scream, but no sound came out, and the whispers got louder and louder, though I could not tell what the souls were trying to say. When my husband's key turned in the door, the redness in the room suddenly vanished. The whispers instantly stopped, and I became wide awake, as though I had never slept. I immediately told my husband, I felt it would be a bad night. Now I get to work that night. And sure enough, in the room across the hall from the nurse's station, which if you don't know how it's situated, whenever you have somebody in that room, it's usually because they're the people who might be the sickest or the most unstable or the ones that just need the closest monitoring. So you stick them closer to the nurse's station or closer to where your code card is, just saying. So in that room, one of my colleagues had a patient that ended up strangling herself that night silently in a waist restraint. Her body was contorted, her limbs in unnatural positions, with her face smashed against the bed rail and the mattress. My coworker was beside herself, distraught. She had just checked on this patient only 20 minutes prior. We immediately called a code and worked on her a back breaking exhausting 30 minutes. I myself did compressions and I still remember the sound of a couple of the ropes cracking. You know that feeling. In the end, she was gone and my coworker was just a complete mess. Now the next night, same scenario. As I was waiting for my husband to come home, I drifted in and out of sleep. The room, again, turned red behind my eyelids and I heard those whispers from a thousand souls in my ear But again, I was unable to really figure out what they were saying. As I opened my mouth to scream, nothing came out. And I woke up to the sound again of the key in the door. It was going to be another bad night. So I actually agreed to switch sides with my colleague. I felt pity for her. It was the same colleague that had the event happen the night before. The room across the hall was cleaned and in it was a new patient. So I took the assignment. This man was a man in his 50s with this moving chest pain. Now, I was still tired from the night before, and my back was still sore from that 30 minutes of doing compressions. Trust me, it's a workout doing CPR. I worked swiftly as I could, getting in first rounds, checking frequently on my new patient across the hall with this moving chest pain. Now, I was newly trained in this telemetry unit, and I felt concerned about the pain that had moved across this patient's chest and down into his left arm then back up and down into the right arm. Although I was new, I felt that I noted something funky on his rhythm strip, but a more seasoned telemetry nurse looked at the strip and said, it's nothing. I called the cardiologist though, still not able to shake this feeling that something was amiss. And I didn't really want to seem overly zealous, but I figured I should tell a cardiologist about this moving chest pain and what I felt to be a subtle change in his rhythm strip. The cardiologist ordered my patient some malox and Tylenol, which I gave, and then I was sidetracked by a patient whose rate suddenly went into the 150s. I got busy with those orders for that patient, and for a moment forgot about my patient with this moving chest pain. Suddenly, though, the unit clerk shouted at me in the still of the night down the hall, go see your patient in room 15, he's in VTAC. And as I raced to the room, she said, no, no, he's in VFib now. I yelled over my shoulder to call a code, grab the cart, and as I ran into the room, the hues changed from a soft yellow to a definite red. And I looked at my patient as he sat up and laid down, up and down, up and down, up and down, making these agonal sounds. He could not sit still, in the midst of this code team coming in to help and assist us. All of us watched as this man sat up and laid down again and again. All of us in awe, we watched as this man breathes his last earthly breath. As he laid down for the last time, we were able to spring into action, but it was too late. He died of a massive heart attack. A week later, though, I applied to every insurance company in town, and I quit that job. I got steady daylight and weekends and holidays off, and I made sure to always get eight hours of interrupted sleep, and I will never work nights again. In the morgue at my hospital, I would always hear knocking coming from inside the freezer. It really creeped me out, especially when the pathologist looked up, grabbed me by the shoulders, stared me straight in the eye and said, "'Do you hear that? "'You never open the door when they're knocking.' never freaked out to my core it wasn't until one of my co-workers told me later that night that the sounds we hear were just from the loose pipes and that the pathologist thought it was hilarious to play pranks on the new people i did not get any sleep that night though okay so my story is from my domain i'm an emergency room nurse so i have to share this one with you We had a cardiac arrest patient who would open her eyes and lift her head and move her arms with chest compressions. But the minute that we stopped those compressions, she would drop dead again. She had no cardiac motion with ultrasound examination. But when we resumed proper compressions, she would perfuse and wake up. And let me tell you, it was the creepiest thing to just see her dead do compressions and see her actually animated. We kept going until she stopped doing that and we had to finally call it. Obviously there's a legit explanation, but it sure as hell felt paranormal when it was going on and creeped us all out. When I was a student, I got called in on a stroke patient. She had coded and they were doing CPR they had worked her for 45 minutes but she unfortunately passed away they cleaned her up and called her family so that they can say their goodbyes by the time the family left she had been both brain dead and without a pulse for more than 45 minutes blood had filled her brain and she was completely gray and actually started to smell but suddenly she sat up and called for her family i saw the nurses rushing in to get monitors and equipment back on her and they started doing CPR. They actually got her back. She was stabilized and was able to say goodbye to her family before promptly dying a second time. I used to work in an old Catholic hospital where the labor and delivery unit is located now. It used to be the convent for the nurses that worked at this hospital. Now, one of the nurses died of natural causes years ago. This nun loved and raised numerous varieties of roses. Ever since the OB department was moved to this area, anytime a mother or baby is having difficulties, you can smell the scent of roses throughout the whole unit. The OB nurses know to be prepared when they start smelling the scent of roses. If a mother or baby dies, the room suddenly fills with rose petals and it is one of the creepiest, but also kind of beautiful things that happens. In fact, I was standing in the room one night when a baby died, and suddenly the scent of roses filled the room. It kind of creeps all of us out, but comforted both the nurses and the family. We had an older gentleman with a massive heart attack, lots of other problems, and he ended up needing to be on a ventilator. But he was the meanest old guy ever. You know, one of those patients that just tries you. His granddaughter worked at the hospital and apologized profusely over and over for his behavior and told us he had always been quite the character. This guy would bite, kick, spit, and had to be restrained to keep him from pulling every line he had out. We coded him three times during his stay. After the third time, his demeanor changed and he became much more cooperative, We explained the change as a bit of ICU psychosis that had clearly resolved itself. Now this gentleman became a frequent flyer to our ICU, coming in multiple times with heart issues and becoming a regular at our outpatient clinic. He actually became a favorite, always smiling, joking, and was a gentle, dear man. One day he asked me when he had been admitted back into the ICU, do you remember the first time I was here and how awful I was? I assured him that yeah, I definitely remembered. He said, do you know why I changed? I told him, Nm, not really, but I just thought that his meanness was related to his illness. He told me it wasn't that. The last time you guys brought me back, when my heart stopped, I woke up and I remembered being in this very dark place. It was awful there. It was totally black and there was this awful smell of sulfur and the heat was terrible. I called out and called out and no one answered. I remember hearing that when people die and then come back, a lot of them see a light and a lot of other good stuff. And I was scared. I hadn't seen a light. And I knew then and there I had to change. Now he lived a couple more years after telling me this story. And when he finally died in our ICU, I have a feeling that he saw the light and the good things. At least I hope so. My local hospital had a notorious killer die in one of the procedure rooms, and many of that ward staff get creeped out being alone in the room. They know it happens, so they expect to feel unsettled. A recent study, though, suggests that ghosts and the eerie feelings that we feel are due to low-frequency vibration, that can be given out by pipes and matches the vibration of the eyes to cause hallucinations and makes you feel anxious as it's a vibration you cannot fully detect. Or maybe it's because the spirit of a notorious killer haunts our hospital that makes those people unsettled. You be the judge. I work as an EMT and had an elderly male who had fallen and hit his head a few hours before they called for an ambulance but by the time that we got on scene, it was easy to see that this guy was not gonna have a good outcome. He had all the signs of a traumatic brain injury. All of his responses to our questions to this point were nonsensical. We were about four minutes from the hospital when we tried talking to him again, and he seemed to come as clear as day and open his eyes and stare at us to say, I'm dead. My partner tried to say, oh, no, 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 don't say that. And this patient stared more intensely at us to reiterate and say, no, I mean it, I'm dead. He ended up dying an hour later, and I could never shake that feeling of being a little bit freaked out. I worked at a hospital doing transport for a couple of years. The transport home base was in the basement of the hospital where all the laundry is done and supplies are also sorted there. I hated working late nights after this one particular incident. On this particular night, I was the only one in the basement when I heard whistling at the end of the hallway by the elevator. I poked my head around the corner, expecting to see my only co-worker on duty that night, but there was absolutely no one there. I shrugged it off. I'm not easily spooked. It's whatever. Nights are slow, so I ate some snacks and hung out in the break room for a bit. The next thing I know, I heard a loud bang. I walked into the hallway, and a bed is rolled down the hall, bumping into the sides. Now, at this point, I think that my coworker is bullshitting me. So I radio him, and he says he's upstairs in the cafeteria. Okay, I still don't believe him, and I'm pretty sure that it was him, and I'm going to catch him in the act. I walk past the laundry room, and the machines start. And I pop my head in there to expect to find him in there, but it's completely empty. Okay, now I'm starting to get a little nervous. I walk into the laundry room and the machines completely stop. I freeze, then run out and head towards the elevator when I hear whistling again. At this point, I know I am the only worker in the basement. As I am standing there waiting for the elevator, things start falling off the shelves down the hall. Boxes of gloves, tissues, packages of tubes. I am literally standing there watching them fall, one by one, at the opposite end of the hallway. I shit you not, my entire body broke out in goosebumps, my hair stood on end, and I had this strong gut feeling I was being watched. I was not alone. As I'm getting into the elevator, I feel what feels like someone brushing my arm. Went upstairs and found my coworker in the cafeteria, freaked the hell out on him. I got the hell out of there and transferred soon after that. The creepy thing to add to this is that I usually whistle mindlessly to myself at work and it was almost as if this spirit was mimicking me. Creepiest feeling ever. I worked overnight security in one of the largest, best, and oldest hospitals in the U.S. My fellow security officers and I all have stories about one building in particular, but the one that I'll share with you is the one that happened to me. There's some backstory for this building. It was built in the late 1800s. It was the original psychiatric building for this particular hospital. Now, being the late 1800s, not much was truly known about psychiatric disorders. On top of that, this hospital was known for its medical research. With both of those facts combined, you can infer that some terrible shit was done to a lot of these misunderstood psychiatric patients in this building. Now, a couple of years before I started working security there, This building had been converted into offices after the newly built part of the hospital dedicated a section for an updated psych ward. Here's my story though. My rounds for this night in particular happened to include that old building. At night, this building was empty due to recently being converted into offices. And the people who work there usually leave promptly at 1700, if not earlier. In some of their haste, they left their office doors unlocked, which is a big no-no due to medical information being located in those offices. Now, it was our duty to go to each floor and make sure every door was locked, and if it wasn't, we would secure it ourselves. I did my initial sweep of the building to make sure it was clear nobody was in there, and proceeded to do my door checks. The hallways are pretty narrow, so I could check both sides of the hallway doors at once, At the end of this hallway, there were two sets of doors you had to go through to reach the final office, which was a dead end. As I'm going through the hallway, everything gets secured, awesome, time for the next floor. I exited the two sets of doors from the dead end office and stood absolutely frozen from what I saw. Every single door was ajar now, set perfectly so their own weight wouldn't cause them to shut again. And one wheelchair at the end of that hallway was facing towards the steps. I had heard other security officers outright reject that set of rounds due to the strange stuff that happens in that building, but I laughed it off until that night, and I never took those rounds again. A patient had passed away during my shift, and this patient was well-known and liked on our floor. At handover that evening, I mentioned the patient had passed away, and when I mentioned it, the door to the handover room which I had closed, opened, and shut just as I mentioned that this patient had passed away. It was like she was saying goodbye to us. Now later on in that month on nights, we were chatting about this patient at the nurse's station. Weirdly enough, a card suddenly fell as we started to talk about this patient. Going to pick it up, we found out that it was a card from the patient's family saying thank you for caring for their parent. In a way, she was with us that night in the station as well. I was returning to work as a night nurse after my first vacation in over a year. I was employed by a home for the developmentally disabled. Finishing my work for that evening, I stepped outside of the nurse's station to catch a smoke under the breezeway that runs along the side of the building. Passing on the same hallway headed toward the official smoking area was Miss Sandra, a 60-year-old-ish sweet nurse's aide who was also a longtime employee of the facility. She asked me for a cigarette, not unusual since she always seemed to be out, and I gave her one. We smoked under the breezeway talking about work, what this patient was doing, just making small talk. I flicked my smoke out and went back inside after saying my goodbyes and proceeded with the rest of my shift. Leaving that next morning, I passed another nurse's aide, Miss Mary, another long-time employee. Tell Miss Sandra that she owes me a carton by this point, I said with a smile as a way of greeting Miss Mary. The look I got from her could have frosted ice. That's not funny, she replied. What? I answered both to her look and to her statement. Miss Mary then informed me that while I was out on vacation, Miss Sandra had passed away from a stroke at her home. Her funeral had been held the day before I returned to work, but no one had told me that. I instantly felt the blood drain from my body, like someone pulling a plug from my feet. I was not mistaken. She was standing, literally feet from me the night before, and just as real as the brick wall. I actually became a little bit nauseous and walked back inside and straight to my director's office. With no notice and no warning, I quit right then and there and left, and haven't been back since. I can't tell you who or what I saw and spoke to that night outside of the nurse's station, But I knew that I wasn't going to be around just in case Miss Sandra wanted to bum another smoke off me. So there you have it. Some tales from some of my colleagues about their haunted hospital experiences. Now to all my medical peeps out there, if you have a spooky happening or something that can't be explained, shoot me an email. Peoplearewildpod at gmail.com whenever it happens, because I am more than happy to read about your creepy experiences i have a feeling that some of you out there have just some tales of the unexplained that just need to be shared so thanks again for listening this week as i always try and say believe in the good practice random acts of kindness and maybe you need to leave a light on tonight hi i'm Leanie, host of the true crime fan club podcast and i'm excited to tell you about my brand new podcast called it's haunted What Now? It's a podcast that brings you true stories about haunted objects and the owners who unknowingly welcome them into their lives. Join me as I share these creepy, spooky, and downright terrifying stories. You can find It's Haunted, What Now? on your favorite podcatcher or at hauntedpod.com. You've heard the stories about murder and homicide. But what about the rest of the crimes committed daily? What about the police officer who robbed banks during lunch? Or the multi-million dollar diamond heist? What about the assaulters, stalkers, and arsonists? I'm Lindsay, the host of Mugshot. Mugshot is a new true crime podcast that tells the stories of non-murderous crimes. Season 1 has begun and new episodes release on Mondays. Mugshot can be found on most podcatchers and on social media at the handle at mugshotpod. I hope you'll join me, but until then, be on your best behavior or you'll end up with your own mugshot.